Chris, you have time for a top five. Absolutely. How about we start with guilty pleasure? Someone different on your playlist than you would normally listen to. Well, for guilty pleasure, it's not really um, a music or something I'm listening to. It's, it's what I'm watching. Um, I've been watching wrestling, professional wrestling, for the past, um, really the past year and a half. I, I, I don't know what got me back into it exactly, but when I was in high school, me and my brothers were watching WWF uh, back in the 90s. And then, of course, we grew out of it. And then I started watching wrestling again, like about a year ago. And it's so much more fun now realize, Now that I realize it's basically watching a live action cartoon. <laughs> so I'm, really, I'm really enjoying, um, you know, just like shutting off my brain and enjoying something for, for two hours. <laughs> so. I guess that's what its purpose is, right? It literally is that. Yeah. Strangely enough, my wife's, my wife's father, who's no longer, no longer with us, but my father-in-law, an elderly South South Korean man. He every time you go to their house, that's all he was watching was the wrestling, right? You know, <laughs> he was just he was just totally mad for it, you know. And my mother-in-law would just well, yeah, just leave him. <laughs> He's sitting in the other room watching the wrestling, you know. He wouldn't even talk to you. It was just like then when it was finished, then he would come out and you know have. Yeah, dinner uh, my wife. She doesn't watch it, but she uh, she'll be sitting on the couch next to me while I'm watching it, and th- and she and she's doing her own thing and watching like. She'll be watching Korean soap operas. That's usually what she watches. So she'll watch it on her thing. And then just every once in a while, she'll check in with me. It's like, what are you watching again? <laughs> so. Just out of curiosity, who is the, the heavyweight champion at the moment? For I'm not really watching WWF. I'm watching this new one, AEW. It's uh, John Moxley is the, the champ there. But then on WWF, guy Roman, Roman Reigns, who I think he's, uh, I think he's like The Rock's cousin or something. So, <laughs> like, really, the Rock's cousin, or it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a little bit of an extension yeah. of the truth. Absolutely. <laughs> no, in real life, I think, in real life, I think he's his cousin. Honestly, oh, so he's a good guy to know in the wrestling world, I guess. If yeah, you want, absolutely. if you want, if you want in the door somewhere, who should we be listening to, and why, Chris? I think you have to be listening to new music right now. There's a few composers that I'm that I'm really hot about. One is a guy named Robert Honstein. And he's writing a lot of great music for uh, percussion music. Uh, there's a trio that I'm, I'm going to play when I get back to Wuhan called Patter. That's for um, marimba, cello, and viola. I'm really excited about playing that. And then there's, a new, there's another composer. His name's uh, Matthew Bertner. And he writes really great electronic music. And it's, it's not just like you hit like a tape and it plays weird, goofy music, you know, electronic music on top of you. It's, it's where... Um, you're playing into a microphone and that's getting fed back into a computer and it's being modulated. So it's adjusting with you in real time. And so I've played a few of his pieces in Wuhan that have gone over really, really well. And so I, I think check out those two guys, especially Matthew Bertner. He's writing some really great, interesting new music. Who would you like to collaborate with and why? I'd like to play with Steve Schick. For those who don't know about Steven Schick, he's... Um, He's, he's really, he really led the way on solo percussion, especially in the 20th century. Um, so, you know, music by John Cage and then there's guy, uh, Giannis Stanakis and these um, really big composers from the 60s and 70s. And he's really taken those composers and then branched off from there. And Stephen Schick, he's, he's, um, he's up there in age. He's at least in his late 60s. But he, is, um, he's, he has this philosophy and mentality about music and life that anybody that works with them in any capacity, it really, um, it, it, you carry, you carry it with you. 
and he's still around. So next time I go to San Diego, I'm going to check him out. The one that I'm most familiar with in the percussion world is Evelyn Glenny. Mm-hmm. Coming yeah, from well, where, not just because coming from where I do, but you know, well, no, I mean, he's when, um, when I was in high school, that was like the first, I think that, yeah, that was the very first solo percussion CD I ever bought. I think it was the best of Evelyn Glenny. And there were tracks on it with her. Um, she playing some really cool pieces, but she had this whole series with Bjork that, were, that was really wild. <laughs> it's a really cool series. Um, I don't think I would play it in a concert, but it's she's a uh, like a titan in the percussion industry, in the solo percussion field. Uh, yeah, many, many years ago. It must be now 25 years ago or more, or more probably. But when she started first appearing on British television, no one really knew who she was. But yeah, she brought a certain kind of energy to it and this kind of whole different dynamic. And of course, she's playing like six different things at the same time and all that, you know. And and then you 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 find out that she actually has a, a disability on top of that. And yeah. You you you're none the wiser. Eh? She's a she's phenomenal. No, she really is. Um, she yeah she's yeah she is the first person. Yeah, when I was in high school, we all knew about Evelyn Glenny. And she was, I think she was the first solo percussionist we all, any of us ever heard of. So she's like beyond important in our field. Is there someone we should be looking out for in the world of percussion other than Steve Schick? Steve Schick. Now, Steve Schick's, <laughs> um, now he's, he's gone to the point where in his career where he's influenced the whole generation or uh, probably a second generation at this point of, okay. of percussionists. But there's another teacher, uh, Robert Van Sice. He teaches at Yale and Curtis Institute of Music and a few other places, uh, Peabody also. And he has a lot of students that have done some really great things. So I would check out So Percussion. That's S-O. I can't remember, remember if it's an umlaut or uh, just a dash over the L. But So Percussion. And then I would also check out Third Coast Percussion. Both those ensembles are doing incredible things. Really like a lot of commissioning, a lot of writing and check out what they're doing and if you enjoy it then you branch off from there because they because they have a lot of composers that they work with that write in a lot of different mediums i mean who inspires you as a, as a drummer yourself if we talk conventional drumming um conventional drumming it's it's got to be steve gadd oh right you've got all day i saw him um, with eric clapton a few years ago in seoul yeah it must be oh, 2014 or something like that but yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's all about Steve Gadd. Um, in fact, I was just uh, since I've been home, um, I've had plenty of time to kill. I've been playing, um, really just like taking apart a lot of the tunes that he's done, and especially Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover. Right. Yeah. And that iconic groove, and I'm like, okay, what is this? And let me actually learn this. And it's not that difficult, but it's you got to take it apart and you have to play it straight for like three or four minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> and then. Um, and I'm putting that on a list when I teach, I'm going to have my, especially if they don't know how to play drums at that well, just it's that two bar groove and put that together. So if you can do that, you can do a lot more other things. So yeah, it's um, a really, it's a, for, for us drummers, it's a, it's a really iconic groove. Yeah. It's, it's one of yeah. the, it's one of the ones right up there. What's your go to karaoke song? It's not good. Or I don't do it well, but it's Weezer. <laughs> it ain't so. It's not bad. It's not bad. No, it's not good for me. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and so the KTV, that's what karaoke is in Wuhan or in China. Uh, I believe Korea also calls it KTV. It's karaoke TV. So you'll have these rooms where um, you rent out a room. You can fit like eight, 10 people in there and they bring it. They have kind of like a waiter coming in, bring you popcorn and beer. 
and they open up all the bottles of beer right away, which I don't like. So by the end of the hour, you have this warm Budweiser, which I don't like much either. A double, um, it's a double. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> um, so uh, it'll be a great night. Um, after maybe a big concert, a bunch of us will go out for KTV. And um, yeah, it's, it's a blast. Last question for us, Chris. You're favorite or best venue you've either played in or you've seen someone performing yeah so the best venue that i play in is is my own concert hall the, the chintai concert hall that's in wuhan it's just it's the has the classic concert hall look and a feel and it's not a huge hall it seats 1600 people which is like on the larger size but i played in ones that seat like 3000 and it feels like you're playing in a fishbowl it's terrible. And this one is, um, I have pictures of it. All the seats are red and there's like this gold inlay like all over the place. And it's just, it, that's what, in my opinion, a concert hall should look and sound like. So I love playing there. It's, it's, it's perfect for my orchestra. But my favorite place to play is, it's this garbage dive bar um, in Wuhan called Coastline. And I mean, it's really grungy. And it's, it has the questionable <laughs> sticky floor thing going on. You know? It's not, it's very, there's a tattoo parlor upstairs. It's, um, it's like, it's near the colleges. So it's like, <laughs> um, so my band and I will play there. Like we'll try to do a gig there once every month or two and we'll pack the place. And it's, it's an energy and a vibe that you just don't get in the concert hall because you have like 50, hundred people just crammed on top of you. And it's, it's the best. I love playing there. It's, you know, the sound system's good. They have a decent kit at the venue, which is, which is great. If you're ever gigging and you're playing on barred kits, it's 50, 50 at best. Oh, and you're, you're, you're definitely the optimist there, sir. You know, so, <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll take those odds. Yeah. I used to bring cymbals and stuff. I stopped doing that. <laughs> so, just not, yeah. I don't want to bring these great cymbals playing on this, uh, this kit that, you know, doesn't have a snare head anymore. <laughs> no. Or it has a big kind of hole in the floor, like next to the, the, the drum stool and all that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, you're, so, you're six inches from falling off a cliff kind of thing, you know? <laughs> but really, yeah. So that's, that's my favorite place to play. Not because it's great or anything, just because it's an, it's an energy. Different vibe. Eh? It's a, yeah. it's a, another way to, to, to do it. Craig, Craig, I want to thank you so much for reaching out to me. This is this has really been a pleasure. Uh, pleasure's all mine, sir. It's been uh, great to catch up with you and uh, to share your stories. And really, thank you so much. Good stuff. It's been great, and uh, I've learned a little bit too, which is always a bonus. Right. <laughs> you know, well, I hope I hope I haven't embarrassed myself with like saying like sets and. No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. I call I, no. Um, I call the orchestra band, and yeah. I. Without uh, getting a bit too spinal tap, you know. <laughs> and Craig, I have to teach in about eight minutes, so I will talk to you soon. But uh, thank you so much again. Cheers, Chris. All the best. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye. Right.